Have you ever had that feeling when you leave the doctor's office and think, what did they just say? Or have any burning questions you didn't have time to ask? Or, I don't remember anything that just happened in that appointment. Or even, were they speaking my language? Yeah, us too. That's where we come in. We're the podcast dedicated to helping you understand what your doctor said about that thing you saw your doctor for in the first place. We understand it can be an information overload. We're here to help. I'm Dr. Josh Fletcher, a family medicine resident at Northrop General Hospital in Toronto. And I'm Jake Bloom, the person who doesn't know what's happening at the doctor's office. Welcome to Dr. Dictionary. I just want to make a quick disclaimer that this podcast isn't meant to be a replacement for a traditional doctor's appointment, nor is it meant to be providing medical advice. Rather, it's meant to be a supplement to your doctor's visit and explain why your doctor asked what they asked and help you explain the diagnosis and common treatment plans. Lastly, doctors often have very different styles and approaches to a patient and their diagnosis. If we discuss a question or treatment plan that your doctor didn't mention, that doesn't mean that they were wrong. This could represent a different in practice style or simply the fact that your doctor knows you better than we do and has created a treatment plan that better fits your lifestyle. And with that, let's get started. All right, so let's talk about this week's topic, which is depression. I guess my first question would be, how common is depression in Canada? So depression is very common and it's the leading cause of disability worldwide. So it's very important to realize that when you go to your family doctor, you're not alone in how you feel. Additionally, depression is often associated with other conditions, such as anxiety, alcohol and other substance use, etc. The World Health Organization actually says there's more than 264 million people worldwide who suffer from depression. So according to the Canadian Mental Health Association, 8% of adults experience major depression at some time. But interestingly enough, by age 40, 50% of Canadians will have or have had mental illness at some point in their life. Now, I've heard of depression as just having a low mood or feeling down, but is that the proper definition of depression? So it's a common misconception that depression only means having a low mood. And some people think that just having a low mood in general can mean that they're depressed. But actually, there's a very specific definition that we like to use for depression. So when you think of like a colloquial depression, you think of a state of unhappiness. However, according to the definition of depression that we use, you actually don't need to have that, quote, depressed mood to be depressed. Another way to think about it is no longer experiencing pleasure from activities that once gave you pleasure. So, for example, if you enjoyed hiking, playing with your dog, spending time with friends, these same sort of activities no longer give you pleasure. And in medicine, we call that anhedonia. And then there are other criteria that we think about with depression. Your doctor might have asked you about these. Decreased sleep feelings of guilt or worthlessness, low energy, poor concentration, changes in your appetite, thoughts of self-harm or suicide. All of these things are associated with depression. That's why they're asked when you go see your doctor. So does that mean that everyone who's feeling down is depressed? By definition, to be considered depressed, first of all, it has to be two weeks in duration. Another very important thing to note with depression is it affects your ability to function in life your social life, your occupation, your relationships, etc. All these different parts of your life are affected. It's very important to note too the difference between depression and normal sadness. 
Normal sadness is a part of everyday life, and it's part of the normal human experience to have these feelings of sadness from time to time. However, if you have persistent sadness, despite changes in your circumstances that are associated with these other features we described above, then we start thinking about depression. All right, say Josh, if I came in for depression, how come my doctor would be asking me questions about the opposite? Like, why would they ask if my mood has been super high or if I've been hearing voices? So again, there are many different causes for depression. On the opposite spectrum of depression is what we call mania or bipolar disorder. And when you think of bipolar, what we think about is that very elevated mood, euphoria or irritability, a decreased need for sleep. You're not sleeping at all because you don't need sleep. People might be commenting that you're more talkative than usual. Engaging in risky activities like substance use, spending lots of money, or having sex with people you normally wouldn't have sex with and causing a strain on your relationship. And your doctor's asking about this because if you've ever had an episode of the elevated mood or that mania that we just talked about, you might not just have depression, you might have bipolar disorder. And the treatment for that is completely different. And that's also why your doctor might ask you about if you've been hearing voices, seeing things unusual that other people can't see. Again, we're just trying to make sure that the actual diagnosis here is depression and not something else. I know sometimes with depression, the doctor will take blood work. If it's a mental health condition, what are they checking for? So that's another good question. It comes down to, again, that there are many different causes for depression. So for example, low thyroid that we can test in the blood can actually cause you to have that depressed mood. So in the end, we're doing blood work to make sure that there's not some underlying medical illness that's causing the depression. Okay, that makes sense. So Josh, what is actually going on with depression? Where is it coming from? And is it my fault? So no, and we like to really explain it using a biopsychosocial model. And this is a big word, biopsychosocial. But when we break it down into three aspects, the biological part, the psychological part, and the social part, it makes much more sense. And it's how we approach these problems. First of all, biological. These are things you can't really control. So your family history, did your dad have depression, genetics that might be going on with, with that family history. And that's really important. Then there's a psychological aspect, and that's really how you internalize information. And then finally, we have social factors, your social supports, your employment status, your income. And that's why your doctor might have been asking you about some of these things to better make a treatment plan that fits your needs. And overarching with all of these different factors is your environment. Where were you raised? What were your previous life experiences? Any previous trauma or abuse that you experienced? Now, this biopsychosocial model is very important. And it's a common misconception that people who are successful can't feel depressed or why are you feeling depressed? And that might be a question that someone's posed to you before. But remembering that it's all these factors together. It's a biological part. It's a psychological part. It's the social factors that play a role here. So even people who are viewed as successful or who view themselves as successful can still be depressed. So say you were seeing your doctor and they were telling you about the different ways to treat depression, but you can't remember them all. What could you tell me are the main ones? So no matter what, first thing we always do is start with education to help you better understand the illness. Once we go past education, there's this dichotomy that exists between medications or no medications. When we think of no medications that we usually start with, 
social supports are very, very important. And that's what we talked about earlier with that biopsychosocial model and why your doctor might have asked you about these sort of things. Because we're asking you about this, it helps us tailor specific suggestions that might be right for you, but not right for somebody else. For example, support groups, income support, employment support, food security, etc. All these things that can help point you in the right direction. The other aspect of non-pharmacological or non-medication treatments are the talk therapies or the psychotherapies as we like to call them. And we're going to have a new episode dedicated solely to these sort of therapies, specifically cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. Last but not least, diet and exercise are extremely important in the treatment of depression. And they're actually evidence proven to help reduce some of the symptoms you may be feeling. So about psychotherapy, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how it's maybe a little bit different than in the movies where you lie down on the couch and talk about your childhood? So it's not the typical picture you might see in movies. The most common psychotherapy that we use for depression and it has a lot of evidence behind it is called cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. And we're going to talk about this a lot more in a future episode. But in short, its goal is to show the connection between your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors. Now, by doing this, you can show you that by acting and interrupting this pathway, you can address these core issues in depression. If we target the way you're thinking, then that will change your behaviors and change your feelings. So for example, if you have a black and white thinking, everything's great or everything's terrible. Targeting these sort of cognitive distortions, as we like to call them, can really help reframe your view on the world, which will affect your feelings and affect your behavior. Now, there are other types of psychotherapy as well. These target mindfulness and meditation. Some of them involve your family. Some are about emotional regulation. But these are not really the main therapy that we use in depression. So another therapy that may come up when you speak to your doctor is medication. But there's a lot of information there. Can we first start with what are these medications? So there are many, many different types of medications for depression. So many that we're dedicating an entire episode alone to just medications. What's very important to note is that there's no guarantee that these medications will work for everybody. Many people have to try different medications, different doses to find the one that works for them. And this is the norm. Doesn't mean anything's wrong with you, but it's just normal to have to try many different things. That being said, the most common medication that your doctor might have talked about is called an SSRI. Now, examples of this are sertraline or Zoloft, paroxetine or Paxil, fluoxetine or Prozac, escitalopram or Ciprolex, fluvoxamine or Luvox, and citalopram or Celexa. And these act on a very specific chemical in the brain called serotonin. And we'll get more into these drugs in the next episode, but you might recognize one of the names as one of the ones that your doctor used. There's a huge stigma that exists about taking medications for mental health conditions. Let me phrase it like this. If you had liver disease or had a broken arm, you would have absolutely no problem treating that. You would take whatever medication, whatever advice you need to get better. Why does that have to be different for mental health? Why should that change for depression? Another big takeaway is that these medications are not a one-stop shop for everybody. Often you'll need to try many different medications and many different doses to find the one that works best for you. Lastly, a great video that I recommend on YouTube is the Black Dog and Depression. 
It does a great job explaining what it's really like to live with depression. That's great, Josh. And like you mentioned, we are going to be having future episodes dedicated solely to psychotherapy and medication. But thank you so much for introducing depression uh, to us and kind of debunking some of the myths that you may have about it. Thanks, Jake. And as always, feel free to email us at thedoctordictionary at gmail.com or leave a comment below. I'd like to thank Dr. Stephen Galber, a psychiatrist at Northrop General Hospital, for peer-reviewing this episode, and Nick and John Bragagnolo for recording the original music. Thank you for listening to our first episode on depression, and tune in next time for our second of three episodes on the treatment of depression. I'm Dr. Josh Fletcher. See you next time.